0: You're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, welcome, brothers and sisters. This is another podcast episode with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Grace and peace be unto you, my friends. Well, there's a lot in the news going on, Um, some of it extremely tragic. I'm sure you all heard about what happened in Nashville. Tennessee at that Presbyterian preschool, um, just uh, a very confused uh, individual, uh, a transgendered uh, person, uh, a woman who got goofed up along the way and believed a lie that she was a man. And uh, she went into that school and she gunned down three adults And three precious children and of course uh, you know shock alarm major tragedy incredible uh, pain and suffering uh, with the pastor he lost his daughter the church the school and really the community and our nation and uh, brothers and sisters I I do want to make you aware you know we've warned for years that when America made the covenant of death with Roe versus Wade, we literally replaced our covenant of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness you know, with this covenant of death that it would produce and energize a culture of death. And it has. uh, We're literally seeing this uh, transgendered movement become weaponized. Um, I've been seeing memes on Facebook, hearing all kinds of reports, even from civil officials that are wearing t-shirts with a knife talking about protecting our transgendered children, our youth. Um, I've seen t-shirts, um, the same message but with with guns, And apparently there's uh, a Day of Vengeance uh, transgendered uh, protest uh, coming up soon. And so we we have to understand these are unstable souls that are deeply confused. And we know where that comes from. It doesn't come from God. God is a God of order. The enemy is the author of confusion. And they're acting out this confusion, and now in very violent ways. And we do know this, when the enemy's time is short, uh, he becomes full of fury. And so we're seeing major attacks against the church, Christian schools, Christians from the pro-aborts, the sodomites, and now the transgendered movement has joined the fray, and they're literally arming themselves and shooting unarmed, innocent people. So, brothers and sisters, just be aware. This is the culture we now have to negotiate through. On the international front, actually some good news. Uh, Uganda, a very Christian, conservative nation, they just banned homosexuality and penalizing it by law because uh, they don't want this confusion, this perversion, this violence uh, to ravage their children. And uh, so they just passed a law. Well, they passed it. I believe the president is soon to sign it. Of course, America and all the Western civilizations and uh, nations. Uh, They're having a conniption fit. They can't believe that a nation in the modern world would look at homosexuality from a biblical perspective where it's not just a crime. I mean, excuse me, it's not just a sin, but a crime. And it needs to be penalized by law according to the scriptures. And so Uganda wants to honor the Lord, wants to honor the Bible, wants to see things as God has proclaimed them and act accordingly. So kudos to Uganda and may other nations follow in their righteous path. Well, I just got back from Indiana. We had a three-day men's conference and I had the opportunity uh, to preach uh, the Gospel of the Kingdom Sunday morning at Harmony Baptist Church, and that's with Pastor Darren Stid. Uh, he was one of the co sponsors, along with Jason Storms, with Operation Save America to host the men's conference. It was awesome. Brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, what a fruitful time we had! Excellent messages, instructions great impartation biblically spiritually uh there was such a grace and anointing present um jason and darren and some of the brothers um uh, put the men through some physical training paces and uh so there was like hand-to-hand combat and learning about weapons and safety and and how to protect your home and Things of this nature, of course, all the men were were energized by the physical activities. And the fruit that came from this conference has been outstanding. Um, just to generally uh, let you know what I observed and saw and heard, uh, most of the fathers who are grandfathers, uh, they literally uh, repented. Uh, they repented before God on how they raised their families, realizing how how fall how far excuse me they had fallen from the standard as husbands and fathers and grandfathers, and then the younger men, the middle-aged men, uh, they came forward and said, "I'm making major changes in my marriage, my relationship to my wife, uh, to my children." You know, how we're going to, you know, reestablish the family altar, homeschool our kids and uh, just do life God's way. And another really uh, revealing aspect of the conference came forth with the younger men, the boys and the younger men. Uh, they were challenged and really awakened to the fact that that they're uh, physically mentally weak and soft and uh, boy that came to the fore and so we saw a lot of these young men when they went home making major changes in their life Uh, there was one young man he came he had very long hair he was very soft physically uh he uh he was very very smart uh, he, God had given him a keen mind, but when he went through this uh, man's boot camp conference, he went home immediately. He had Jason Storms uh, cut his hair. He's already signed up for the gym, and he is going to change his diet. And so I just got to tell you, there's such a um, a void in a bankruptcy amongst men today. And boy, that conference just hit the mark. And again, the fruit that came from that conference was absolutely awesome. And uh, if you would like to have a men's conference come to your area, uh, you can contact me through this podcast. Um, I believe on RustyThomas.org, the website, there's actually a link uh, where you could uh, contact us. And schedule a man's conference in your area well now we want to get on to the topic of this episode coming soon April 9th in the year of our Lord 2023 resurrection Sunday hallelujah praise be to God and you have to understand brothers and sisters this great Christian celebration the great confession, the great um, excuse me uh, the great um, Christian faith um, it rises and falls solely on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, the Apostle Paul told us plainly if Christ has not risen, We are dead in our sins. Every message you've heard from the word of God is absolute gobbledygook nonsense, has no merit, no value, no meaning, no power to change anybody's life. And the apostle Paul said, Christ has not been risen from the dead. Christians, more than anybody else, needs to be the most uh, pitied people on the planet. And so yes, everything hinges on the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ so brothers and sisters I want to look at it from two possible angles here today first I want to look at it what does it mean to the individual what does it mean to us personally that Christ Jesus was raised from the dead yes there was a real man in history the God man Jesus Christ he went to the cross he didn't swoon he didn't pass out and come back to life and they made up this you know this fable about somebody being ra- raised from the dead no he died his spirit left his body he was in a tomb three days later boom he walks out alive again from the dead and so based on that the apostle paul in 1 corinthians 15 gives this incredible boast now The Bible warns us not to be braggarts, not to be obnoxious, you know, not to be arrogant. And if man is going to boast, we are to boast in the Lord. Amen. But there's this incredible boast in the face of serious, harsh reality that we live in in this world. We're up against an enemy. And yes, you know, the wages of sin are debt. Are death and there's Satan and demons but the last enemy to be destroyed is death and this is a vicious unrelenting enemy death and so here's the Apostle Paul talking a little bit about this and this is in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 verse 52 the scriptures read behold I tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep it's so interesting brothers and sisters because whenever it talks about Christians dying in the New Testament it never says they died it never says they experienced death it says they fell asleep and so you fall asleep and BAM you wake up And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Could you imagine the shock to your system when you see the Lord of glory and you are ushered into his eternal presence? Hallelujah. You talk about being woke. That's when men really will be woke. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Praise his holy name. Exalt the Lord our God. Hallelujah. O death, it goes on to say, and here's the boast. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your sting? victory. Brothers and sisters, think about that for a moment. Think about mankind's bloody, depraved, deadly history. Ever since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, every soul that has been conceived and born into this world has faced the frightening specter of death. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, it didn't make a difference how, you know, beautiful they were, how handsome they were, how smart they were, or how strong they were. It didn't matter if they were rich or poor, or black or white, or male or female. And you can, you know, split up mankind in all the different divisions that are even artificial today, every single one of them face death, and lost that battle, except one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He conquered that old hole in the ground, and he says to you and I, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Let not your heart be troubled. You follow me, and he is going to lead us safely to the other side. Praise his name. And I want you to even think about it from this perspective, brothers and sisters, how strong this enemy death truly is. Like if we put together all the armies, the navy, the air force, of all the nations of the world, and we put together all our nuclear power, our laser technology, our chemical warfare, and God only knows what bombs and bullets and guns we have today. Brothers and sisters, you could put all that up against death, and who's going to win that battle? Even today, it is death. And like I said, it's a vicious and unrelenting enemy. And yet, In the midst of that incredible, harsh reality, here's the boast. Death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. So that's that's on a personal note. But now I want to look at what does the resurrection mean when it comes to Christ and his kingdom? And I want you to track with me, brothers and sisters, because this is critically important when it comes to the future of this poor fallen world. So I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to look at verse 62. Now, just to set this up, you know, the Lord instituted the new covenant at the Last Supper. They got done. They sang some... Psalms, and they went to the garden. That incredible struggle and wrestling match with the will of the Father takes place. Of course Judas with the band of marauders come uh, to arrest Jesus. He betrays him, and now they're hauling him away and they're bringing him before a kangaroo court where the high priest has put together a case against Jesus because they want to condemn him to death by turning him over to the Roman occupiers. And so we're going to start in verse 62. Now, at this point in the kangaroo court, the high priest brought together several witnesses um, to condemn Jesus. The problem was, none of the witnesses' testimony had any agreement. And of course, under Old Testament law, you you had to have a witness out of two or three witnesses in order for justice to be established. And so what's happening, these witnesses are coming, they're not in agreement, and so the high priest's case is literally just falling apart. And so he just says, enough of that. And now he's going to lower the boom on our Lord. And at verse 62, it says, and the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it? These men testify against you. But Jesus kept silent brothers and sisters. You know, the Bible tells us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to wrath and I got to tell you at this point of redemptive history Jesus is exercising incredible control wisdom and discernment he recognizes as he's negotiating all these different authorities you know the high priest Herod Pilate he has to know when to speak and when to be quiet it's critically important at this juncture in redemptive history so at this point he's being silent and the high priest answered and said to him i put you under oath by the living god tell us if you are the christ the son of god well brothers and sisters we know it was in caesarea philippi when Jesus was standing on that rock at that pagan, idolatrous place. Underneath that rock was a cave where the ocean came in or water came in, and they believed that was the gateway to the underworld and, you know, all the uh, idols and, you know, the bloody, perverted idolatry was taking place. And so it's not a coincidence. He, He chooses that place to reveal that he is the christ the son of god and also the very purpose of his church and that's why he said upon this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it so earlier on he revealed this to the apostles but now the high priest is asking him are you the messiah Are you the Christ? Are you the promised one? You know, are you God's deliverer? All right? So critically important. And so finally, Jesus opens his mouth. And this is what he said to him. It is, as you said, now pay close attention to these words because the implications of this are incredible. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter, you, pay close attention to that word, you. I know today we don't give a rip about pronouns, but pronouns are important to God's word. It's there for a reason, and sometimes it captures a time frame reference as it does in this passage. He says, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man, sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So, let's put all this in perspective. Kangaroo court, witnesses that cannot agree, high priest is done with that, and now he's asking him point blank, are you the Christ, the Son of God? So when Jesus decides to speak, he chooses... Probably the premier primary predictive prophecy of Messiah, and he's actually quoting from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13. Now, understand this, brothers and sisters this is not a coincidence, this is not an accident. Every Jew, including the high priest, knew the implications of this passage of scripture now what i want you to notice he doesn't say a generation two thousand years in the future are going to see the son of man at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven because a lot of people are taught that they're taught that the, the the Son of man coming in the clouds is the second physical return of Jesus Christ now by the way I Truly believe in the says second physical return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ But he is not talking to a future audience He is talking to the high priest and he says you and all those folks in that room you guys in your generation, are going to see the Son of Man come in power, riding on the clouds of heaven. So he is quoting Daniel chapter 7, and it's verse 13. And I also want to include 14 because that ties directly to the Great Commission. So here we go, verse 13. I was watching in the night visions... And behold, one like the Son of Man. There are many titles for our Lord, Son of God, but he also called himself the Son of Man. And it says, coming with the clouds of heaven. So now the issue is, all right, Son of Man, Messiah, coming in the clouds, but the issue is, are the clouds... Bringing him down to the earth, or bringing him up into the heavens? Well, Daniel tells us the direction. It says, And behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days. We're talking about Heavenly Father. We're talking about God the Father, the Ancient of Days. Well, brothers and sisters, we know that Heavenly Father does not have a physical throne upon this earth. His throne is in heaven. And so the Messiah is being caught up in the clouds and he's being brought before the Ancient of Days. And we know this literally took place in the book of Acts chapter 1. And so here in, in, in Acts chapter 1, um, Christ has been raised from the dead. And the Bible says there's infallible proofs of that truth and that reality because many people saw him. And it's interesting, after he was raised from the dead, he had a 40-day conference seminar with his apostles and disciples and it was one topic and one topic only the kingdom of God and after he invests and imparts the gospel of the kingdom to his apostles they went outside all right and here comes this cloud uh, it grabs Jesus Takes him up in the cloud. They're literally watching him go up in the cloud. And then, you know, the word comes to them uh, a cloud will one day bring him back. But at this point, this ties directly to Matthew 26 and Daniel chapter 7, because the cloud is taking him up. And we know biblically he's going before the Ancient of Days. And it says, And they brought him near before him. Then to him, speaking of Messiah, Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Watch this. That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So brothers and sisters, it's early Sunday morning, right? And the ladies are looking for Jesus, looking for his body. And the angels tell them, why why search for the living amongst the dead to this day? Men, that's exactly, we're trying to find life and death, and it doesn't work. And um, we know there was that, that encounter between Mary, Magdalene, and our Lord. And uh, she thought he, he was a gardener, which is a very interesting uh, perspective. But when he calls her name, Mary, she recognizes the voice of the Lord. And of course, she's just so overwhelmed, overcome with incredible joy. So she wants to rush to him to grab him, to hug him. And he said, no, 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 Mary, don't touch me. Not yet. I have to go to your father and my father. I got to go to your God and my God. And so we know later on, he was taken up into the cloud, right? And he goes before the Ancient of Days and he's given a kingdom. And so right after Matthew 28 talks about Him being raised from the dead, right, and witnesses seeing him, you know, raised from the dead. And he's telling them, hey, go tell the apostles, go tell the disciples, I'm back, just as I promised. And we know biblically the the apostles, his disciples, had a terrible time grasping the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, he told them over and over and over again, I'm gonna be turned over to wicked men, they're gonna beat me, they're gonna scourge me, and I am gonna die. But I promise you, three days later, I will rise from the dead. No man can take my life from me. I lay it down and I can take it back up again. And indeed, that's exactly what he did. But here was the problem. Even though he had said this over and over again, and even though he kept his word and his promise, and even though he sent witnesses who actually saw him, (laughs) these apostles, these disciples are so much like us. We will not believe. Well, he appears to them. And you would think that would be like a great time of exaltation, a great time of rejoicing. The first thing the Lord does is rebuke them for their unbelief. And uh, obviously joy came later, a relief came later. This is true. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality. This is the great reset. This is Christ. This is his kingdom. It has come. And it is to spread from there. And so, after he does the rebuking to the disciples, he gives the Great Commission. Now, think of this, connect the dots, between Matthew 26, Daniel 7, and now the Great Commission. Excuse me. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been, past tense, given to me. Well, where did he get this authority? Where did it come from? Well, that son of man, the one who came with the clouds, right, was brought before the Ancient of Days, and what did Heavenly Father give to him? A kingdom, a dominion, which shall never pass away and will never be destroyed. Now, brothers and sisters, this ties directly to the book of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Do you remember that? that? That powerful emperor of a great empire, you know, he has this disturbing dream. It troubles him to his core. And he's calling in, you know, all the wise guys, you know, all the sooth. Sayers, I don't know, crystal ball guys, you name it. He brought every all the wise guys in. And he said, hey, listen, I've had this dream. It's tore me up, and uh, I want two things from you. you got to tell me the dream and then give me the interpretation. Well, of course, the wise guy's going, hey, like, whoa, hold on here for a minute. Um, no king, no emperor's ever demanded anything like that from the wise men. You know, how about you tell us the dream and then, you know, we'll do our magic and we'll try to give you the interpretation. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's not going for it. And he said, Listen, you will not take an advantage of me. You either tell me the dream and the interpretation or there's only one thing for you. You're dead men walking. I'm going to put you to death. Well, of course, they're freaking out and they're protesting, but to no avail nebuchadnezzar wants the dream and he wants the interpretation and so he he starts sending out his magistrates and he starts putting people to death and of course the magistrates come to daniel and daniel is one of the wise men uh in the realm and so they knock at his door and he's like what's this what's this all about and uh he's like whoa 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 whoa! time out time out uh calm down Uh, just give me give me a little time Let me seek the true and living God and see what he would reveal to me. And he finds favor with the magistrates. They allow that time. And sure enough, Daniel goes before God. He gets the dream and the interpretation. And he comes before Nebuchadnezzar. O king, live forever. And then he explains the dream and what he saw in a dream. And it was a a mighty man like a beast, right? The head of gold, right? And the... You know the the chest and you know the the middle section and the legs and the feet and you know and he's talking about four empires babylon being the head of gold then the medes and the persians then the greeks which was alexander the great and how much he conquered in the world and then finally in the roman empire and it says you saw the beast until a stone and by the way, one of the titles for our Lord and Savior is the Stone of Stumbling, the Rock of offense. He says that stone was cut out from the beast, hit the beast, the beast was scattered by the wind, and then that stone became a mountain, and that mountain filled the whole earth. And so that was your dream. Here's the interpretation. In the days of those kings, speaking of the Roman Empire, and that's when Christ was born. He was born in Israel under Roman occupation. He said in the days of those kings, God Almighty is going to establish his kingdom, which shall not pass away, and it will eventually destroy all the kingdoms of men. Now, Jesus Christ assures us that his kingdom came when he came. He said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, you know, my kingdom has come upon you. And so once it starts, it will grow. It will expand. That stone will become a mountain and the mountain will fill all the earth. That's why the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Now, church, here's your divine task. Go make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and make sure the nations keep my commandments, all things that i have shown you they are to observe and lo i'm with you always even unto the end amen because remember this was the promise right from the get-go that god was going to raise up a deliverer that he was going to crush the head of satan and he was going to bruise his heel and then god taps abraham and says abraham through you and your seed Speaking of Jesus Christ, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth. And God never once deviated from that promise. And we are in a time where that promise is spreading. And Jesus told us about the nature of of his kingdom. It's not some sudden appearance in the sky like most people believe. Jesus said the kingdom is like a, a little mustard seed that becomes a hedge and then a tree and shoots out its branches. He said it's like a a loaf of bread when leavened, it leavens the whole lump, a slow, progressive advancement of his kingdom in the earth. And so brothers and sisters, as we get ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, know personally, we do not have to be afraid of death anymore jesus christ took on death and took death down amen and one day death is going to be completely defeated according to first corinthians chapter 15 that is the last enemy to be defeated But again, as the scripture says, if we believe in the Lord, if we believe in the one he sent, if we believe in the scriptures, Jesus promised we will not come into judgment. Hallelujah. But we will pass from death into life. Heaven can begin now in your soul. How is that possible? Repent. Put your faith and trust in Christ. And the Bible says, as we do, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken, make alive your mortal body. And the Holy Spirit will seal you until the great day of redemption. Amen. Where the Bible says, one day when we die, we will see the Lord and become just like him in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. That's our future, brothers and sisters. If you're in Christ, if you're a born-again believer, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, if you're washed in the blood, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that is your future. I know life is but a vapor. I know we're here just for a little bit. But brothers and sisters, Christians don't die. They fall asleep, and then they are awakened to a reality that's going to blow our minds, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Praise the Lord. But I also want you to see what the resurrection means to Christ, his kingdom, and the future of this world. So just realize all the things that you're seeing and hearing right now, that's not the whole story don't fall for it don't God's going somewhere he said he's gonna shake everything that can be shaken and the only thing that's gonna remain is his kingdom he said he's gonna shake the heavens and the earth so that nations will come to the desire of all nations that's a title for the Messiah the desire of all nations so brothers and sisters be of good courage, Uh, drink the sweet, eat the fat. The joy of the Lord is our strength, amen. And I pray you celebrate with much fervor the resurrection of Jesus Christ on April 9th, 2023. Until then, this is Rusty Thomas with Kingdom Moments saying, keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. Love you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.